Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Thank you for joining us on the fastest hour in politics on an historic day in Washington as President Zelensky arrives here in the Capitol to meet with President Biden and to deliver an historic address a short time later tonight to a joint session of Congress. It's on the eve of congressional votes on a massive budget that includes billions of dollars for Ukraine. As we just heard live on Bloomberg, President Biden announcing the next round of aid ahead of that budget vote. $1.85 billion package of security assistance that includes both direct transfers of equipment to you that Ukraine needs, as well as contracts to supply ammunition Ukraine will need in the months ahead for its artillery, its tanks, and its rocket launchers. And that includes a Patriot air defense missile battery, which has been long sought. We've talked about it here on Sound On more than once. President Zelensky was quick to note that. Something that will strengthen our air defense significantly. This is a very important step uh, to create a secure airspace for Ukraine, and that's the only way we would be able to deprive the terrorist uh, country and their terror attack to attack to strike our energy sector, our people, and our infrastructure. President Zelensky's trip was kept secret until the very last minute he arrived at the south portico of the White House around 2 o'clock this afternoon. Ready, doors. Ready, pop. Ready, open. He stood momentarily with President Biden, First Lady, as well, before heading inside for a meeting in the Oval Office. After emerging from a black SUV. Ready, shut. Now, over the next hour, we're going to bring you up to date on all that has happened so far today in the nation's capital and what else is coming tonight. So let's assemble the panel. Glad to say they're both with us. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Rick, welcome back. It's great to have you. Last time I spoke with you, we didn't know this was going to be coming today. We didn't know this officially even 24 hours ago. Uh, But now that this is off and running, the impact of this visit is hard to underscore politically and financially for this president of Ukraine. Yeah, this is a uh, perfectly timed event if you if you could actually orchestrate things like this in the real world. I mean, you've got this massive spending bill making its way through Congress tonight with, you know, $45 $45 billion of support yep. uh, for the war effort. You have uh, Vladimir Putin annihilating the cities of Ukraine with these uh, strikes on civilian population centers. And, 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 and you really are getting the sense that part of what this administration, the Biden administration, is trying to do with this visit is to talk about the fact that we're going to be well into 2023, mm-hmm. and so let's get ready for it. So even though we're having this massive event today, Uh, mostly focused on getting money and and support available. It's for the war effort in 2023 and and making that transition. Uh, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, this is one thing, uh, Jeannie, but hearing from Republicans is another, knowing that there is some skepticism among uh, a a certain uh, part of the Republican Party, conservative Republicans in the House. 
Uh, Kevin McCarthy could be counted among them, although, you know, the blank check reference was very different than what we've heard from some in the rank and file. Mitch McConnell seemed to be speaking to them today, channeling this argument uh, to his own caucus, Jeannie. Listen to what he said about the reluctance of approving more money. The Ukrainian people are courageous and innocent, and they deserve our help. President Zelensky is an inspiring leader, but the most basic reasons for continuing to help Ukraine degrade and defeat the Russian invaders are cold, hard, practical American interests. Cold, hard, practical American interests, Jeannie. Did Joe Biden, did Volodymyr Zelensky succeed in making that argument? Yeah, I think they are. And and we heard uh, Zelensky say the reason he is here, to to Rick's point, is to talk to the Congress about what is going to happen next year, which suggests this is going to be prolonged. And he knows he's going to need bicameral and bipartisan support. So the funding keeps coming. And that's the you know real push he is making here. And of course, we have heard as this omnibus works his way through Congress that you have Republicans pushing, particularly in the House, for an en masse vote against it. And so this kind of push is critically important. And as we are all in the United States, about 80% of the population facing a cold spell in the next few days and in a pretty big storm, Zelensky asked Americans to imagine what it would be like to be in Kiev and in Ukraine with, you know, two hours of rationing of electricity a day. So it's a kind of argument he's going to continue to make. And it suggests this thing is going to go on for a long time. And let's not forget, we have about 80 six new members coming into Congress who've never voted on aid for Ukraine. That's going to be critically important that they hear this argument as well. There's another important event today, uh, another occurrence that's happening to coincide with all of this. You couldn't plan it this way if you wanted to, Rick, at least I don't think so. Uh, But Chuck Schumer referred to it this morning on the Senate floor. President Zelensky could not arrive at a more crucial moment for the Senate. We're not only voting to approve more emergency wartime funding, but today, here in the Senate, we will also vote to confirm the U.S. Ambassador to Russia, Lynn Tracy, who will be tasked with standing up to Putin. Well, as a matter of fact, that happened a short time later. On this vote, the ayes are 93, the nays are 2, the nomination is confirmed. Lynn Tracy confirmed. I mean, can you imagine this job, first of all, at this point in time, Rick, but the significance of that happening today? What does that mean for the conversation, if there even is one, between the U.S. and Russia? I think it's a perfectly time to be able to have somebody on the ground in Moscow making the arguments. You know, Vladimir Putin and his regime have uh, silenced free press in that country, uh, but they can't silence a U.S. ambassador. And and so here's an opportunity to take it to him on his own turf. And uh, I, I wish we'd had an ambassador there all along, right? I mean, our interests are well served by having uh, someone there who can stand up to this regime and 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 make sure that the Russian people know the resolve of the American government and the American people, and that's exactly what Ambassador Tracy and uh, 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 that team is going to be able to do now. Currently serves as the ambassador uh, to Armenia. She's had that post since 2019. This nomination went in at the end of barely the end of September. Jeannie, why why so long? 
You know, it, it has taken a long time, far too long. She's replacing John Sullivan. It was an important vote. The last thing, you know, except for the omnibus, they're Second likely to the last do. move of the session. That's right. And she is also, importantly, the first woman to hold this position. And she is a career foreign service officer. She comes with a lot of background. This should have been pushed through sooner. It wasn't. But thankfully, it was done today. And it is fitting timing because, of course, you see people like Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, the leadership on both sides of Congress supportive of U.S. aid for Ukraine. But if people don't think that support is widespread, you know, it really is in the leadership in Congress. But as you go down in parts of the Republican Party and even some parts of the Democratic Party on the left, it is starting to splinter. The latest polls showing an increase in questioning about the amount of support, and it's a lot of support the U.S. has given. And, you know, I, I hate to point you to this, but look at the horrible thing that Donald Trump Jr. said on Twitter today if you want a sense of how this is playing out in some of the far-right circles. It's pretty deplorable, but it's got to be addressed because it is the kind of thing that is seeping in, and it will confront Congress as they try to push through this aid next year. Interesting word you chose there. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene also was tweeting or truthing or whatever in the world it was, uh, uh, what you would expect to hear at, at this stage of the game. But I don't know if that's the audience here tonight, Rick. If we can kind of move to what we're going to hear and what we're going to see. The optics are historic here. We know that uh, the the cabinet has been invited, the Joint Chiefs invited. Uh, I, it's unclear to me if the Supreme Court was invited, but this is going to have the feel of a State of the Union. Once that starts, once those optics are in place, Rick, the rules start to change, right? Everyone's a tough guy when they're talking in the gallery and talking to a reporter in the hallway. But that's historic, and that's got to be impactful tonight. No, no question about it. Uh, this is the platform of power, right? When you can be a foreign leader and show up on U.S. soil and get a joint session of Congress at a time that is so important like this, at the very end of this session, uh, it speaks to the real convening capability of the U.S. government and, and, and writ large, right? The administration and Congress all joining together in support of this individual and his country and his people. And that will echo throughout the world. That will not only support the agenda that this administration has to support uh, Ukraine amongst uh, Americans, but this will have an incredible resonance in Europe and all around the world. And so those regimes that are you know, not willing to sanction Russia are going to have to start thinking that U.S. resolve is very clear here. We join together with President Zelensky in support of the Ukrainian people against the Russian invasion. And that's going to be a reminder to the world. And this is the best place in the world to do it from. With a room full of people likely standing and applauding, Jeannie, I don't feel like the conversation is going to be a lot about resistance to supporting the war effort. Uh, We understand, by the way, uh, that he's going to do this in English and without a teleprompter. This is an incredible test of skill. I realize he used to be an actor, but that's not something a, a president of the United States would attempt. No, no, it's not. And he has proven himself very, very adept and to be a very moving speaker. And I think it's going to be a speech for the ages and particularly fitting that Nancy Pelosi, this is one of her last acts in the House. She said in a letter today, her father was in the House when Churchill spoke in 1941. Hmm. That's how personal this is to her. And we also heard that she was one of the first to broker the idea of this visit in October. So it's going to be really fitting for her to be there. And she's really 
urging members of Congress to be there. But of course, many also have to get home for Christmas and we have a storm. So it's going to be a question, I think, of how many members are there. And of course, if the Senate is voting, does that keep them out of it? But it's going to be interesting to see what the response is like in that room, because he is quite a moving speaker. Rick, you spent a career on Capitol Hill. What's happening behind the scenes right now? What are the leaders doing in their offices as they prepare for his arrival? Well, they're, they're, they're doing two things. One, they're, they're getting together with their colleagues and their friends to, you know, uh, uh, assemble and, and, and get over there. And, and they're talking about the same kind of conversation we have. What kind of impact is this going to have? What can mm-hmm. we say about it afterwards? But they're also probably looking at their flights, as Jeannie said, and saying, how the hell do we get out of this place? Because it's about to be knocked down by a storm. So are we, we going to force some voting tonight to or what? So there's a lot of schedulers who are working Chuck overtime Schumer, tonight. Chuck Schumer said it could happen as early as tonight. Is that just uh, wild thinking, or projecting, or, or is that reality? No, I think Chuck Schumer is a master of Washington uh, tactics, and and he knows that he's got the wind at his back, literally sixty mile an hour wind <laughs> headed this way, right. and and he wants to get a vote and get out of here too. So uh, he's going to use this session, and he's going to use the weather uh, to uh, to to land this vote as quickly as he can can actually get uh, people back in the chamber and voting. Great to have Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano back together. They're with us for the rest of the hour here. And coming up, uh, a fascinating conversation with Congressman Dan Kildee, the Democrat from Michigan, who's not only going to be in the chamber tonight and has been part of this conversation and helping to plan uh, for the event, but he's also on the Ways and Means Committee. He had a late night as they voted to make Donald Trump's tax return six years worth public. That's coming up next on Sound On. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. President Zelensky will be in the Speaker's rostrum of the U.S. House in less than two hours to speak before a joint session of Congress. Of course, we use this phrase a lot, but in this case, indeed, the world will be watching. And we're joined by one of the members who will be in the chamber for this address. Congressman Dan Kildee, Democrat from Michigan, is coming off a very late night, or I guess I should say early morning, for the Ways and Means Committee as they voted to make Donald Trump's tax returns public. So we have a bit to discuss. Congressman Kildee, welcome back to Bloomberg. 
Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, this is a big week for Congress. I appreciate you making time for us. An historic week, I think we can say. Not only the budget process that we're going through for next year uh, and your committee's decision to release Donald Trump's tax returns, but also the address tonight by President Zelensky. And I'd like to start there, Congressman. How important will this speech be in helping to galvanize support for war funding in the new Congress? Well, I think it's very important, and it comes at a really critical time. As, of course, we all know, there's a transition taking place in the Congress. And that transition has raised some questions about Congress's commitment to the people of Ukraine to continue to help them in their effort to beat back this you know, this unwarranted incursion, this attack on their sovereignty by Putin's uh, forces. We can't step back from the promise that we made to the people of Ukraine. And so his presence here, meeting with the President of the United States, addressing Congress this evening, will help, I hope, clarify why it is so important that the United States stay strong and not waver in this commitment. I hope it's not the case, although the signals that we're getting uh, from some, uh, you know, in and around Kevin McCarthy, mm-hmm. indicate that there are questions about U.S. support. I think we need to erase those questions. Well, I wonder if to what extent President Zelensky does that by showing up in person. We've heard from Kevin McCarthy. We've heard from Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and others uh, who, who are serving in the House to say not another dollar, no blank checks. It's different, though, sometimes when you sit face-to-face with someone who's asking you for help. There's no question demonstrated just incredible resolve, is a very compelling figure. Uh, and, you know, the interactions that I've had with him on Zoom events, where I've had a chance to uh, spend time with him, you know, are powerful enough. I suspect standing in the rostrum of the, you know, the House of Representatives before a joint session of Congress making his case, he's got to have some effect. I don't know if it'll change the minds of Mike Taylor Greene or Matt Gates, but I hope it it affects the way uh, the incoming potential Speaker McCarthy takes a look yeah. at our obligation as a you know, beacon of democracy to support democratic societies like Ukraine as they're trying to struggle against an unwarranted attack on them. Yeah. Of course, it's no mistake this is happening on the eve of this budget vote. $45 billion for Ukraine. Will it pass? I believe it will. It will unfortunately pass without Republican support in the House, uh, but I, I expect the Senate to be able to pass this in a bipartisan fashion. It has really been a three-party negotiation. Republicans and Democrats in the Senate, Democrats in the House. Speaker uh, McCarthy has essentially said uh, that he's not on board with the spending bill. And in fact, seems to have joined the chorus of the most radical members in the Republican conference who are saying that they will punish Republican senators who vote in favor of the spending bill by basically you know, not supporting or not even accepting any legislation that those senators will offer. I think that's a, yeah. a dangerous precedent. Well, we'll see. particularly when those senators make up a, a good chunk of the leadership, it's kind of hard to tell how anything could ever get done. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, a lot of this is all involving along McCarthy's effort to secure the 218 votes it requires to become speaker. You know, I learned a long time ago, um, you know, in, in pursuit of position or power, um, you, you have to draw the line at some point in time. And I unfortunately think that there's some evidence that, uh, that Ms. McCarthy has failed to see that. And it's 
disappointing, and it's not a good signal for what we expect to see in this coming term of Congress. I guess you're not voting for him for speaker. I think you can count on that. So, Congressman, uh, before the Ways and Means Committee voted last night, uh, and of course you serve on that committee to release Donald Trump's tax returns, I went back to the original request that was made by your committee, 2019, and, and you spoke in a news briefing to the legal authority to do this. Section 6103 of the code is very clear. The chairman of the Ways and Means Committee can request a copy of these returns, and the IRS commissioner is legally bound to provide them. Fast forward to 2022, and here we are, Congressman. Republicans say you just set a very dangerous precedent while it's legal. The ranking member on the committee, Kevin Brady, says our tax returns now could be made public for the sake of politics. Is he wrong? He is wrong. Number one, uh, what we did is not only legal, but was validated by the Supreme Court of the United States on November 22nd, when finally uh, those returns were released to the committee as a result of Chief Justice Roberts' decision. So it's clear that it's legal. I don't think it sets a dangerous precedent. I actually think the most dangerous precedent that we could set is to have before us evidence that the IRS failed to live up to their own obligation to audit the President of the United States. They simply didn't do it. And we have tax returns that we've been able to examine that show really serious red flags. You know, the, the notion that the precedent was, was a dangerous precedent to act, I think the most dangerous precedent would be for Congress to look at those two pieces of information and just say, oh, well. You know, to me, that sends a message, the message being that if you're powerful and wealthy, you can continue to skirt the laws. We decided we're not going to allow that to happen. And so we forwarded this information onto the U.S. House of Representatives mm-hmm. with a legislative proposal to fix it. And you know what? That's the job I was elected to do. If it makes some people uncomfortable because they want to continue to sort of you know, circle the wagons around Donald Trump, they're going to have to explain that you know, to their constituents why they would prefer not to act. I, I just mm-hmm. couldn't do it in good conscience. So what happens next here? Uh, how and, and when will they be made public? Well, we're, we're, our staff, both the Democrats and Republican staff, are working to redact from those returns any of those sensitive personal pieces of information, you know, social security numbers, tax identification numbers, mm-hmm. addresses, you know, even bank record numbers, things of that nature, should be redacted. We don't want to have that information in public you know, in public view. But that should take, you know, a matter of hours and days, not weeks. So I would suspect within the next couple of days uh, those those documents will be available. You've seen them. Are we in for something here? Yes. Uh, people should fasten their seatbelts. To, to take a look at these returns and the, and the lack of documentation for huge cash charitable contributions, for example, or loans, uh, you know, two family members or, you know, uh, conservation easements that are enormous. And then the lack of responsibility to actually pay taxes. Two of the tax years, President Trump paid 70, $750 in federal income taxes. One year, zero. There's no circumstance that I can explain to a teacher or a firefighter back home 
that they have to pay their taxes or they're going to face severe penalty. And a person who happens to be the president of the United States has the Treasury Department and the IRS essentially under his control, can flaunt the law, not pay taxes, and continue to be one of the wealthiest people in the country, according to his own characterization. I can't explain that. And when when one looks at these returns, it's it's, it's very concerning. Not only was he not audited, but there are so many red flags that one would think the IRS would have you know, would have pursued these facts, and they just didn't. As he was telling reporters he couldn't show them his tax returns because he was being audited, it's kind of interesting. Is he as wealthy as he claims to be? Well, I mean, it didn't appear to me that he is, but, you know, I don't know much about what he puts into these tax returns if it's a true depiction of his wealth and income. Hmm. But when I see, you know, his wage income as small as it is and his enormous losses, most of the tax years that we looked at, he had enormous losses where he actually didn't not only didn't make money, but lost enormous sums of money. It just doesn't add up. Conversation with Congressman Dan Kildee, Democrat from Michigan, here on Bloomberg Sound On. We'll be looking for him in the chamber tonight. I'm actually going to head over there in just a couple of moments to the U.S. Capitol for the speech from President Zelensky. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's reassemble the panel. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano are back. Bloomberg Politics contributors. And I suppose before we talk again here, some final thoughts about the Zelensky visit, I'd like to hear from you on the tax returns because a lot has been said. And we just got it straight from a member of the Ways and Means Committee who was in that room during the executive session last evening. We heard as well from the chair, Richard Neal, once that vote was made and the decision made to make the returns public. This was never about being punitive. It was never about being malicious. I never overpromised. I never built an unreasonable level of expectation. And time and again, I refrained from the questions in the hallway that you posed to me because I was not about to upset a very sensitive court case. The other thing that happened, much to your, your uh, dislike, 
was that there were no leaks that occurred from the committee. Those things are true, Rick Davis. Did the committee comport itself properly in this case? Yeah, I think that they handled this uh, pretty professionally. I mean, this is what we expect out of the Ways and Means Committee, really one of the top-notch uh, committees on Congress, incredibly influential and important, and, and I thought they handled it well. I, I, I really, you know, it's, it's kind of like, wow, you know, there's gambling here. Right? It's a classic, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, we didn't expect to see anything other than the fact that he doesn't pay taxes. I yeah. mean, and, 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 and his embarrassment is that people think he might not be worth as much as he claims he is. Mm-hmm. So, like, who cares? I but mean, so then politically, is, it's a nothing burger. It's a total nothing burger. Wow. And I think Democrats obsessed over this for too long. But, like, by them obsessing, they got Donald Trump to obsess about it. And, and I mean, honestly, <laughs> he would have been better off producing these in real time and not having mm-hmm. an issue like this and just owning up to the fact that his empire can generate losses as much as is income and uh, and call it a day. But we're there now. Uh, and, uh, and frankly, uh, I can't imagine this being a big issue in the future other than the fact that uh, I guess the IRS wasn't auditing the president as they're supposed to do uh, yes. for any president. And uh, I think this at least points out a deficiency in the regulatory code there, and they're going right. to firm that up in legislation before they leave for uh, Christmas. Yeah, Richard Neal did say he's put up legislation that will fix that little problem, make it you know man- very mandatory. I thought it was mandatory, but uh, Jeannie, you were with us last night uh, when they went into executive session. Kevin Brady, the congressman from Texas, ranking member, was not happy. Uh, I understand that everyone was professional in that executive session, but this is what he said when he came out. Democrats on the Ways and Means Committee have uh, unleashed a dangerous new political weapon uh, that overturns decades of privacy protections for average taxpayers. Is he right, Jeannie, when you consider the privacy implications here, or did Dan Kildee just prove him wrong? You know, I, I think it's going to be an issue that Republicans will keep talking about. They've long, long been saying that this is a slippery slope. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to flip this on Democrats going forward. And then they're not going to really have a leg to stand on. And, and that's pretty much par for the course. But I do think it is important. I'm not sure they had to release the tax filings. They have. I don't know to what political end. But the reality is the IRS had a responsibility to be doing these audits and they didn't until the day the committee asked for information on this. And that is very, very telling. So the committee was absolutely within their rights to investigate this. Again, the release, it is what it is. It's going to come back to haunt the Democrats. We know that already. And of course, it is embarrassing for Donald Trump, if anything could be at this point. You know, this is somebody who paid zero taxes in 2020. There's people who are making, you know, (laughs) working, you know, two jobs and and raising a family who are paying more taxes than Donald Trump. And Mm. It should be embarrassing, but at this point, it won't well, be. I'll tell you one thing, uh, Rick, to add to your point that, that this was largely known, we just didn't have, you know, confirming numbers and so forth. The New York Times kind of nailed it, right? When they when they had the tax returns and published details, what did the, what did Kildee tell us? Two years, he paid $750. Another year, he paid zero. They actually had that story right. Yeah, they had it right. Their source was correct. Uh, they, they found it uh, uh, the way that New York Times and other investigative reporters do, mm-hmm. the hard way, right? And uh, and so, uh, again, uh, uh, it kind of just ratifies what we already know. It points out some deficiencies in the system. Uh, and, um, and it reinforces, um, you know, a not so 
pleasant uh, imagery of Donald Trump, you know, uh, uh, not not making a lot of money and and hiding what he is probably making in order to not pay taxes on it. And it's just at a time when his star is 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 crashing to the ground. It's just another reminder as to how much baggage he carries around politically. And, and, and by the way, we're talking about an announced candidate for president. Right. So I mean, this is not just some guy walking around. He's uh, right. He's a former president and a current candidate trying for president. to get the job back. Right. Unbelievable. Rick and Jeannie, in our final moments, as we prepare for this speech from President Zelensky, uh, about 90 minutes from now, I want to bring you back to the Oval Office uh, for what I thought was a, a pretty important moment today. It didn't have to do with war funding or Patriot missiles, but he told President Biden as they sat in front of the fireplace a story Having gone to the Donbass just yesterday, he was in the battlefield yesterday, and he spoke with a captain in the Ukrainian army, the captain of a HIMARS battery, who asked him to pass his award to President Biden to carry it with him to Washington. Listen to how this went. I want to give you something. One guy, he's really a real hero, real captain, and he asked me to pass his award and he asked me to pass his award to President Biden and you will understand he is the captain of Heimer's battery yes he's very brave and he said give it to very brave president and I want to give you that is the cross cross for military merit that is one military merit he handed it over with a letter from that captain, the press pool later, Jeannie, reported that President Biden returned uh, with a gift of his own two command coins, one for that captain and one for President Zelensky. These are the moments that people need to be aware of, along with the debate over funding of war. Yeah, and it again speaks to the fact President Biden has long said that foreign policy relations depend on face-to-face relationships, Mm -hmm. and he proved that today. It's critically important and, of course, very moving for Joe Biden, who often talks about his late son and the fact that he gave his life, as the president believes, in service to war. And so I'm sure for the president, it's a letter and a medal he's going to be carrying around with him for a long time. I suspect that President Zelensky will have those command coins or that command coin with him tonight on the rostrum, Rick. Uh, yeah, he's going to be feeling that in his pocket all the way home tonight, too. What an incredible visit. 12 hours, huge impact. Let's get him home safe. Rick and Jeannie, thank you so much. Our signature panel, special coverage tonight, 7.30 p.m. Washington time. I'll see you from the Capitol. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.